This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme, hoping we find each and every one of you in good form and looking forward to the weekend. We've got John Paul taking your calls at 1850 333103 and you can text your WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. And as always, we welcome your emails to the programme, uh, patricia at c103.ie. And actually an email just to let a listener know that we've received this and we're looking into uh, this for this person and I'm assuming it's affecting other people as well. Mairead emails saying, good morning, just wondering if you've got any update um, on if refunds are being given for the unused part of the school transport ticket from January to April of this year. I did contact Bus Erin, but they said a decision would be made by the Department of the Education by the end of the school year. And that was in May, just gone. The reason that I'm writing to you now is they're currently sending out the reminders to parents to pay for the coming school year. And the price is normally around €350 uh, for one child. Thank you so much. Now, we've made contact with the Department of Education and we are awaiting a reply from them because, of course, June to April, the children weren't in school. It was all remote uh, learning that was going on. So the school transport uh, system, the people, they weren't using their bus uh, tickets. Uh, so as I say, I'm assuming there are others as well in the same predicament who are waiting on a refund. So hang in there and we'll see what comes back to us from the Department of Education. And actually yesterday at the close of the programme, and I didn't get to it, there was a query in from a listener wondering about the back to school school clothing and footwear allowance and our applications out and is now the time to apply for the back to school clothing and uh, footwear al- allowance. Uh, the allowance now this year as with other years the allowance is paid automatically to it's about 111,000 families who they know circumstances haven't changed and they know people don't have to apply uh, they will automatically get it and it's going to be paid during the week of July the 12th so that's from next Monday next Monday is July the 12th so the allowance starts to get paid out next week the allowance is €150 for the younger children the 4 to 11 year olds they must be 4 
between 4 and 11 on or before September 30th of this year. And then for the older children, 12 to 22 year olds in full time education, it goes to 275 euro. And students that are aged between 18 and 22 must be returning to full time second level education in a recognised school or college in the autumn of 2021 in order for their parents to retain the entitlement of the payment. The Department of Social Protection is processing payments and recipients uh, will and should have received written confirmation by now informing them of their automatic entitlement. The department will issue payments totalling approximately £42 to families during the week. Now families who do not receive or who haven't received a notification from the department of an automatic uh, payment, they need to make an application online uh, which is at mywelfare.ie. And that is for families. Even if you received the payment last year, if you haven't by now received written confirmation that you're getting it again, then you need to go to mywelfare.ie. And uh, applications also can be made online for people who've never applied uh, before. And they can be made any time from July the 21st. So, it's th- so from July the 21st, if you're new and you want to apply for the back to school clothing and footwear allowance but for those that are entitled to it the payments just start to come out from next uh, Monday. Now yesterday we were speaking with the Michael O'Donovan of the Vintners uh, Federation of Ireland and we were talking about reopening and what's reopening going to look like for indoor dining because we knew yesterday there was to be a meeting of all of the hospitality sector, the heads of the hospitality sector meeting with the government to try to work out how is it going to work? What's it going to look like? How are publicans and restaurateurs, how are they going to know if somebody's vaccinated or not? And it seems that restaurants and pubs are expected to have protection against legal action for refusing indoor dining to people without a vaccine cert. Yesterday, people were straight away saying, will that not be discrimination? Can people not claim discrimination if they're not allowed into a a premises? So it seems there's going to be a legislation because pubs and restaurant owners will need to be protected under the Discrimination Act and also the GDPR laws. And also they're going to need some kind of protection against falsified certs. A senior government official last night said that the government was considering all options, which will include legislation underpinning any measures that are going to be agreed in the coming days. Details of the legal protection will be ironed out over the weekend because we know the DPP has been asked to get involved uh, in, in this to make sure that everything is above board. Government officials will work on emergency legislation. That then will have to be pushed through the doll next week in order to allow indoor dining for fully vaccinated people and for those who have recovered from uh, infection. And it's now looking like very for sure that it's going to be facilitated through the EU digital COVID search because we know that the government is going to start issuing those certs from next Monday, July the 12th. So hospitality staff then will be scanning a QR code which is contained on the cert and that then will grant patrons entrance either into their pub or into their uh, restaurant. It's expected that Gardaí may deal with pubs and restaurants that are in breach of the new laws but it will not be doing spot checks and that was one of the things the Gardaí were very quick to come out and say that they won't be involved in arguments at the door between a customer and a 
restaurant owner or a publican but they may go into pubs they may go into restaurants they may do spot checks and if they think that there's any breach then it's the publican the restaurant uh, owner who is going to be breaking the law now what what I found when I was listening yesterday I scratching my head a bit and I think tourists are going to find this a rather strange one it seems tourists who will arrive into this country from July the 19th which is when they'll be allowed to do it because they'll they we're opening up to international uh, tourism they and if they come in with their PCR tests they will not be allowed to dine or drink indoors and this is according to the Vintners uh, group Officials will also examine the issue of families and how unvaccinated children are going to be able to accompany vaccinated parents indoors. And that was not one of the reasons that that Dublin mother wrote to us to say she was cancelling her holiday in West Cork because she and the husband were vaccinated. And it was at the start of looking like it was only going to be vaccinated people who were allowed in restaurants. And she said she likes to dine out every night when she's in holidays. And how is she going to be in a situation that herself and her husband can go into a restaurant and her children would have to be outside. So that still has to be ironed out. PCR and antigen testing for indoor dining uh, will be explored in the coming weeks. That's according to Adrian Commons. But at the moment, that does seem to be off the table. Micheál Martin then declined to confirm that indoor dining will reopen on July the 19th, ahead of the discussions with the Cabinet colleagues. So it's a lot of the newspapers are saying it's not looking like it's going to be July the 19th. It's looking like it's going to be the following Monday after that, that it, we, if we have any hope of indoor dining and indoor drinking uh, coming back. Padraig Crimmon of the Vintners Federation of Ireland, he's their chief executive. He said the primary goal was to reopen in a safe manner. He says, if a so-called vaccine pass is what is required, then he says the onus is on the government to get the legislation passed next week. And of course, they'll need to push it through before the Oireachtas. They go on their summer break. So there's a real push now that if legislation is needed, then it needs to be done and it needs to be done ASAP. Uh, 1850-333-103. And then with the lifting of restrictions on July 19th for international travel when the digital COVID cert uh, comes in, still a lot of head scratching about what's going to happen with people travelling over and back between the United Kingdom. And of course, there's a bit of concern with with people travelling from England or indeed Irish people travelling to uh, England because we know Boris Johnson and the British government have decided that they're lifting all of their lockdown restrictions in Britain on that same day, July 19th. Well, the Taoiseach Micheál Martin yesterday was critical of what he's calling a free-for-all happening in uh, Britain. We know that Boris Johnson announced recently that all legal requirements, including wearing masks, they're getting rid of that, they're getting rid of social distancing, they're getting rid of the number of people who can gather indoors or outdoors. It's all going to be lifted. And Boris Johnson is saying to the to the good people of England, you make your own informed decisions. If you feel you're better off wearing a mask, then you wear a mask. If you feel you're better off social distancing, then you can social distance. But for everybody else, it's a free for all. They can literally do go back to normal. Freedom Day, once again, is what's been spoken about and what it's been called for July 19th uh, in uh, England. So Mio Martin yesterday speaking about that at government buildings. He said he's concerned about this free for all that seems to be developing within the uh, UK and his fear is that it will raise issues for us here. He says what happens in the UK can spill over pretty uh, quickly. Now he declined though to say if unvaccinated people should 
should travel to the UK saying that the public health advice stands and the public health advice has merits and at the moment we know the public health advice is saying that unvaccinated people shouldn't uh, travel. He says so I think people need to be cautious they need to be careful and he says he would genuine and and he says generally in respect of the Delta variant we all need to reframe our thinking. He said what's happening in Scotland and in the UK seems to be bearing out some of the Neffet modelling. So he said we really do need to take that all very very uh, seriously and if you look at it across in the UK the, the highest incidence of Covid in the UK since February were reported uh, this week and I'm looking at pictures that have made a lot of the papers uh, today of fans packed together at Wembley and this was after England's semi-final win as everybody started to exit Wembley, goodness me, they were all literally on top of one another. So in one of the English papers that the people have been advised that if you were, if you felt you were really on top of people and looking at that picture, everybody was on top of people, then they're suggesting people should really go along for a COVID uh, test. Some people are saying, is this really a dangerous, dangerous experiment? What Boris Johnson is uh, attempting to do. I mean, yesterday, research published showed that the reproductive rate the R number for COVID-19 in England had jumped to almost 1.9 and that means that for every infected person there's nearly two people are going to be uh, infected and more than over a hundred global experts actually signed a letter accusing the UK government of conducting what they say is a dangerous and unethical experiment and they've actually urged Boris Johnson to reconsider the plans to abandon restrictions and this letter actually a listener sent it on to me yesterday and thank you to whoever that was somebody sent it on to me by WhatsApp yesterday is it was a letter that was published in the Lancelot and it states any strategy that tolerates high levels of infection is both unethical and illogical and it went on to be signed by 120 experts from all around the world including David King who is the former chief uh, scientific advisor and also the chair of the Council of the British Medical Association uh, signed it and they spoke about allowing COVID-19 to rip through particularly younger people who haven't been vaccinated and people who haven't received uh, their second jab. They were saying like it's, it's, it's dangerous and it's unethical and they went on in the letter to talk about people with uh, long covid and the number of people already in the UK are suffering from long uh, COVID and nobody knows and they use the word how disabled some people will be. Uh, they may have survived COVID but nobody knows the long term effects of it and they, they felt because of that it's a dangerous and unethical experiment and that's what Boris Johnson is pushing for at the moment on July 19th and I suppose in contrast to that is what was announced yesterday from the Tokyo Olympics Organizers, They announced yesterday that the Tokyo Olympics, they're already the delayed games. They're not going, they will go ahead, but without any fans in attendance, which is in sharp contrast to what's happening with the Euro football competition. When you look at that photograph of the people spilling out from uh, Wembley the other night. Some of your thoughts uh, coming in to us. Marie says, hi, Patricia, hope this message finds you well. It does indeed. It's Friday, Marie. We're always in a good form on a Friday. I'm annoyed, says Marie, at the way the whole COVID-19 situation has been managed. Now we need an EU search just so we can dine indoors. What's next? We need to have an EU search to be able to go into the supermarket to do our weekly shop. Our rights, says Marie, I feel have been taken away bit by bit and the government is dividing the country. I'll never vote in another election as I feel there's no point when TDs get into dull air and they don't seem to listen to the people of the country. I now don't blame people who don't vote. That's from uh, Marie. 
high. Uh, Patricia, shouldn't all tourists be told before they come to Ireland that they won't be allowed to go indoors to drink or to dine in our restaurants? Well, I was just thinking about that when I was reading what has been discussed and it still has to be signed off. I think it's Tuesday. They're meeting again to sign off on exactly what's going to happen with the hospitality sector. But it is now pointing uh, and it's looking like the way you will get into indoor dining is going to be facilitated through the EU digital COVID cert, which means everybody who will arrive on our shores from the EU who are fully vaccinated or who are recovering from or have recovered from COVID will have an EU digital COVID cert. So it won't affect people travelling from EU countries. It will affect people travelling from the UK because obviously they're now out of the EU so they won't have this digital COVID cert or people from out anywhere outside the EU, uh, people for example travelling from America it certainly will affect the, it will affect them. And someone else says, why are they looking at the UK? Um, let Boris run his country and let Michal run our country here. Does this mean that no UK visitors will have to uh, isolate? Well, I suppose the reason that they're looking to the UK with great alarm is, as, as Michal Martin says, what happens in the UK has a tendency to spill over here. Exactly what happened at Christmas with the Kent variant. It was in, in, it was in England, the Alpha variant, and then it spilled over. And look at the devastating effects that it had on this country. So they do, we always do have to keep a close eye on our neighbours. And obviously, uh, things that happened in the UK are also affecting us on our own island because of Northern Ireland and numbers are rising up there uh, as well. But as to will visitors have to isolate from the UK. There does seem to be a little bit of, I think, a little bit of confusion when it comes to the travel restrictions and the easing of the travelling restrictions on July 19th. We know, for example, at the moment that anyone who travels from the UK are required, they have to present a negative PCR test on arrival that has to be done 72 hours uh, before they arrive. Then when they arrive in this country with their negative PCR test from Britain, they're then legally required to spend 14 days quarantining at an address that they specify on their passenger locator form. However, travellers whose journey began in Britain can get a second PCR test no less than five days after arrival. And if that's negative, then they are, they can leave the quarantine period. They don't have to stay in there for the 14 days. So then what changes on the 19th? Well, Eamon Ryan, the Taoiseach, the, the, the um, Transport Minister Eamon Ryan, he indicated during the week that fully vaccinated people travelling from Britain to Ireland will no longer have to quarantine once the, restri- once the restrictions are eased on July 19th. But if there are unvaccinated holidaymakers, they will still need to present the negative PCR uh, test and the current rules around home quarantine will remain in place for the, t- for the time being. And you straight away think of families travelling from the UK. The parents might be fully vaccinated, so they're OK. They won't need to home quarantine. But what about the children? They won't have been vaccinated, so they have to have the negative PCR test. Then they'll have to have another PCR test done uh, when they're here. And in the meantime, they're going to have to uh, home quarantine. And I know John Paul got on to the Taoiseach's office during the week to try to get clarification on this. And the Taoiseach's office uh, was stating that no, the quarantining around people travelling from the UK was going to re- remain uh, in place. So there does seem to be a little bit of confusion around it. But but certainly people travelling from the UK won't have one of the digital COVID certs, which means they won't be able to go in for now, certainly, that they won't be able to go into a restaurant for indoor dining. And a listener says, 
So the government are taking our freedom away yet again. Whatever happened to our citizens' rights, the pubs and the restaurants will be covered. But what about the normal uh, Joe Soap? This is with regard to legislation that now is going to be, it looks like it's going to have to be fast-tracked to the doll next week, which will then protect the publicans and allow publicans and rest- restaurateurs that they can't be accused of uh, discrimination or they can't be challenged under GDPR uh, grounds for not allowing somebody in to their restaurant because they don't have a COVID certificate. It's a long way to go on this. I think before indoor dining is back for sure. 1850 333 103. John Paul taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Now, Derek in Mitchellstown has uh, contacted the programme looking for some help and advice, and it's to do with the care of his elderly uh, parents. Good morning to you, Derek. Eric, and you're welcome to the programme. Good morning, uh, Patricia. Uh, nice to talk, talk to you. Well, look, lovely to talk to you because you've been having a really tough time of it and you've got quite a story uh, to tell. So I suppose let's start at the beginning. When did your parents dis- start to become unwell? I suppose, Patricia, about a year and seven months ago. It was taken into hospital within a day of each other. And up to that, were they okay, were they okay independently living? They were, yes, they were. And you were just keeping an eye on them and checking in that they were all okay? Yeah, yeah, everything was, everything was going okay. It, my, my mother was taken in first uh, on a Tuesday. And then I was, uh, my mother was kept in that day. And um, I, I took my father home. I was minding my father then because I wouldn't let him at home by himself. And unfortunately that night she got on with. And he was taken into hospital the following day. And uh, it turned out that he's prostate cancer, and uh, he had uh, the catheter and the thing put on his leg for the urine. And uh, my mother, uh, my mother was still in Mel Hospital. And then they both came home. And they both came home then. And before my mother was released from hospital, um, there had to be details because they're living in a council house, and there were stairs in the house, and there were an issue with the stairs with my mother. And uh, a home had to be applied for. And the council were notified that there had to be walking bedrooms and rails put up in the stairs and everything for my mother. And was that done? No, it wasn't. No, the council came and reassessed this and the whole lot. But unfortunately, COVID came in there and kind of put a damper on things. But both your parents then living at home and then are you, do you live in with them or are you just, were you just in and out every day? No, no I was just in and out every day. No, uh, uh, sorry, no, Patricia, I forgot the question. We applied for home health then. Okay. Okay. And uh, unfortunately, 12 months waiting for home health. Okay. So yeah. they, they mentioned just after they come into it because they had a touch of dementia probably before anything went downhill. Okay. Okay. So they mentioned just after they come into it and my father had, had the bag for the water on his leg. Okay. And it was starting to fall off and they were forgetting to close it with the opener and all this. So, unfortunately, I used to have to call in the moms before I go to work to make sure everything was okay for the day and and give, give them tablets, maybe. Okay? Yeah. So that was then. I was walking away and, and I was doing that every morning. I was calling the evening or after in the evening and this was going on and there was still no home help appearing. Okay? Or no public health nurse being in touch with me or nothing like that. I was just on my own doing it on my own. And this was going on for 12 months. 
Okay, eventually in January, the home help. I got home help. How much home help did you get? I got a half an hour in the morning and a half an hour in the evening. But if any, both, any of my parents went to hospital, it was cut for a quarter an hour. My father was in hospital for a week and the, the home help was cut from a half an hour in the morning to a quarter an hour in the morning and a quarter an hour in the evening because there were only one person in the house. And, sure. that was only, and that was only five days a week and I used to have to go Saturday and Sunday and do the same thing. But what can you do in 15 minutes? Well, this is it, Patricia. This is it. And there was no one, completely no one else coming to that house, only the home health. And I must say she was very good. Now, we're, in, we're in the, I know, and we're in the middle of COVID and probably that was why the public health nurse wasn't calling, was it? Well, I don't know, Patricia. I don't know. I can't say. I wasn't even getting a phone call from her. So no, was everything going okay or nothing? At least I could have got a phone call. But no, there was nothing. Completely nothing. And I was on my own doing all this. And I was holding a full-time job all over the country, travelling. So you battled on, but then your mother had a fall. Yes, my mother had a fall, unfortunately, last Sunday week. And uh, I rang South and they told me to, to bring my mother to South at 2 o'clock. And so it was last Sunday week, actually. And I took her at 2 o'clock to South and checked her, and they said I have to wait for a and in Mallard, they couldn't do anything for her either because she had his, his scans and stuff. So I had to bring it to COH. So I landed in COH last Sunday evening week at half past five. And my father was in care with me. I had my father and mother, okay? And I had to leave my father in the care. And now he had to be in China, have a fairly bad note to be asked. Okay? Yeah. And I went even, even with my mother. Now, they've all the COH, I'll do it up now, and she's all, I call him pods, now you go into it, square else with her, okay? And I went in, and went in first, the one the synodal. I said, I won't belong here. And next thing, I went out to the gallery, I gave my details, and she gave me a number, and she said, when your number is called, you go through to the next department. And my number was called, and I took my mother through to the next department. And, and there was no one was there, and she shifted off my mother, and I said to that nurse, will we be long waiting? And she said, there's people here since 11 o'clock this morning. And this was half past five, 20 to 6, probably at this stage. Okay? Mm. And I knew my father was outside. And I was inside with my mother. So I went in. She said, I'll find the space now for you. She said, so she opened another double door. I went into another square where there were all pods and all numbers. And I went too long inside there. And I will give it 10 minutes or half an hour. And there were a good few there now. And this man stood up when he seen us coming. And uh, he asked us, he said, excuse me. He said, uh, I'm here since 11 o'clock this morning. He said, uh, how long more will I be? So she looked at her chat. And she said, you should be seen until it's 11 o'clock. So, so when I heard that, when you, I heard that then... You knew I you said, were in trouble. Yeah, I knew I was in trouble. So I said, excuse me, no, so I said, can I speak to you for a second? I said, I said where do I have to come in? I said, I said how long will we will be we? Well, she said, it could be three or four in the morning, she said. And I said, sorry, I said, I can't wait that long. I said, because I had my father outside my camera, I said, with dementia, I said, and he was getting his tablets to send my shock this evening. I said, I'm, I'm going since two o'clock, I said. Since half as one, sorry. Since half as one. I said, I can't. I said, stay here with my mother. It'll be the whole morning. But she said, you have to make other arrangements. And which I said, I can't. I said, the only arrangements I can make is they'll bring my father in. Which she have no tablets. I'll just bring my mother away. So she said, one second. She said, leave it with me. She said, and she went away. And she came back in fairness. And she said, um, I'm after stage when I'm not. She said, and she'll be back. So I waited. I said, I was given it to seven o'clock. Because I would have to really make a decision at seven o'clock what way this was going to go. So in fairness, and then I'm back. And she said, you're in a situation. I said, I am. So she said, we'll find a, a bit for your mother, she said. 
in the excellence of membership. She said, and we pull up the signs of the bed the way she won't fall out, the way she'll be safe. But if we, if we need the bed during the night, we would have to contact you. And I said, okay. I said, I'll go and see to my father. I said, give me his tablets. I said, that's okay, you can bring me in any time. So at 25 to 6 Monday morning, my phone rang. It was a consultant from CUH. I inquired about my mother and what happened and what details, right? And he said they would do, they were going to give her a scan and extra as well to see her I can broke or whatever. And I said, okay. And he said, we'll be in touch with you during the day. So they rang me about 11 o'clock that morning. And they told me this, uh, she was all bruised and stuff, they were nothing broke. That everything was okay. But she was a bit unstable, so they were admitting her. Okay? Mm-hmm. So, before I got the phone call, Helen McClark, I was after ringing the home help to cancel the home help test. We didn't need her. The mother was going to hospital. And also, I got into the public health office for help for my fellow. Because I was, I was going to work on that Monday, but I couldn't go to work because there was no one to take care of my fellow. Yeah, your your father with the dementia can't be left on his own, I'm assuming. Is, is no, 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 he can't. No, no he can't. Okay. No, he can't. So your mother yeah. now has been admitted to hospital and you're caught in a dilemma and there's no one else. You've no one else to look after your dad. No, no, no. no as I say, I'm not saying about anybody, but I have plenty of relations and all that, but I think there's times when people are sick when they need help. Nobody wants to know. No, I will say that. Okay, no, so, have, so, have, so were they able to provide help for you? No. So what did you do with your dad? Well, my dad was, is, I, I go back to the home health office, okay? I rang the home health office, and this girl came on. And I asked for a certain person. No, I'm 99.9% sure she said to me that she don't work over Wednesday. And I said, I'm sorry, I said, but today is Monday. She said, she's a hooker. She said, I'll put you through to the home health office. No, I didn't answer her back. I held the prisoner button. Now, the home health office was no good to me, because that was only for home health. Okay? A fierce nice girl came on in that office, and I explained my case. And she said to me, she's only after passing the book. But she said, I can't help you, she said. But she said, I'll see what I can do for you. So she took my number, and she said, I'll depatch you for the day out. So I was... They said they were meeting my mother. So I, I was going to cock that evening up to see my mother in the hospital. Okay. And I was actually in Wilton shopping centre at four o'clock that morning leaving. And a whole um a public health nurse rang me. Right? And she said, They have no place for my father. Every place is closed. Be patient and be calm. Okay, what you were looking for was to get some respite somewhere where your yes. dad your, your dad could go. Now, I, 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 I'm, I'm sorry to move you along, but there's a lot more to the story. Okay. Uh, but you, okay. you didn't get it anyway, so you ended up having to bring no. your, da- your dad around the country with you in the van. Is that true? Uh, my, da- my dad was around the country with me all that week in the van. My God. So, and your, but your big problem and the reason you're contacting us, uh, Derek, is you're trying to apply for the fair deal. Um, is, yes. is it for both your parents or is it just for your father? No, it's for both my parents. Okay, and have you a nursing home identified? I have. And you've, now there's a lot, is, there's a lot of paperwork, I believe, involved with the Fair Deal scheme. There is an awful lot of, an awful lot of paperwork. Tell, yes. me, tell me what's been happening there. Well, what's been happening, I, I, roughly 20 months ago, I applied for the Fair Deal. And the, every, all the farmers were filled in to the best of my ability and received the answers that they had was sent in. Okay? Mm. And, it, and everything was left. The last bank holiday weekend, I knew things were going down here at home before my mother fell. I knew that it meant she was getting worse, and I couldn't cope. So I was going to the stage that I couldn't cope, calling morning and evening, and keeping a full-time job. So I went to a nursing home, 
And that was okay. So the person in the nursing home said about the farmers and all the farmers and I said was gone in and I gave him a book what I had. So he said that he'd get on to the to the post to be to see about is everything gone through for the fair deal, the fair deal office. Okay? Mm. He he ran me back in the Tuesday and he said he couldn't find out nothing come to the cyber attack. Right? Mm. On the computers. So yeah. he, he got back to me a few days later and he said to me, Everything was dead in the water, he said. All the farms are dead in the water. We have to start again. What what, what does he mean dead in the water? Why? Well, they must be there too long. I don't know. They were gone out of date. Gone out of date. So, so you have to start realize. start all over again. You start all over again. Right? No, somebody seemed to be dead farms. I don't actually know where the farmers came first day. So I I, 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 I got into my local GP's office. And the girl in the GP's office kind of know the situation I mean and she's very helpful and she said they should get the ball rolling about getting new farms new farms so she rang me that evening and she said there's no need getting new farms she said the old farms can be restarted because the public hate enough photo great right okay yeah Rebrand. good news right? yeah good news so she she said she'd give me a number of a person that would get the ball rolling get the, the papers re-going okay restarted so that person rang me, and all she needed was two slips from their, their post office of the money they were drawing when, they, when my mother went to draw their board wages. Their, their, right? their pensions, yeah, yeah. Yeah, their pensions, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I got the two slips, two, uh, pension slips, and I met this girl, and I gave her the two slips, and now she says, we'll get the bar rolling. I have nothing. Everything was working away. I was still bringing my father to work. He was still there with me every day. I came home last Friday evening. They were a full new farm, landed in the door oh. for my father to reapply. Ah, oh, so you're back, you're back, you're absolutely back to square one. And you, and so, uh, but the frustrating part about this is you have the nursing home, but but the danger is you could lose that that bed could go. Well, I tell I tell you, Patricia, the way it is, I'm I'm in touch with the person in the nursing home all the time, which yeah. is a very good person, okay? Yeah. I think this is the third time now he's after keeping his space because this has gone on since the back holiday weekend. And where were you? Is your is your mum in hospital or is she at home? No, my mum is in Mellor Hospital. She's still in Mellor Hospital, yeah. and you're still bringing your dad. And how how is your dad getting on with going around the country with you every day? Well, at the moment he's he's going down here. Is he? Yes. And how are you doing? I'm not great, Patricia. I'm not great, and I admit this. I feel very. No, last Saturday. I actually had to call to a neighbour of mine and I actually had to sit down and have a, have a conversation with him. You see, I wasn't feeling too well. So, and they're great. And I have good people that I have good friends and I appreciate it. And there's people that I can pick up the phone that I can ring and they're there for me. And if they're out there listening, well, they, they know who I am. But I'm not feeling too well. I'll tell you the truth with all this. So you're going to help Patricia to put your parents into a home. But to turn around and deal with the pressure of book work and papers and everything re- rejected and people passing the book in top of that. And listen, you've nothing to feel guilty about about finding nursing home care for your parents because you really sound like you've done everything that is humanly possible. But unfortunately, families and and you're on your own doing this get to a stage where you just can't do it anymore. It's well, Patricia, I, I'm sorry to say that I was brought up well and my parents were always good to me. And they worked hard all their life. They told them worked hard all their life. Okay, but to, it is at the stage. I'm sorry to say that I can't cope with work and look after my parents. Yeah, it's a full time job. 
It's an it absolutely full-time job. It, it is. Okay, it listen, is. we we have all of uh, uh, Derek's details and uh, we're going to get on to the HSE and we're going to see what we can do to try to even just speed up the process with the Fair Deal and we will stay in contact uh, with you. But you need to look after yourself and rely on those people that, that you can speak with and if you can get any kind of help in looking after your parents in the meantime, uh, please, please try and, try and do that and try and rely on other people as well if there's anybody out there that can help you out. Yes, yes. Now, there's one other thing, Patricia, I want to say to you. The public health nurse rang me back here today. Okay? Now, she wants me to pay for a month's respite for my father, and I can't afford it. And how much would that be? I don't know, Patricia, because I didn't ask. It's a lot, it's a lot of money, though. It's a lot of it money. Is. It's a lot it of is. money. All right. It is. Okay, we'll keep in contact with you. Listen, you look after yourself, okay? I mean, I, Patricia, yeah. thanks very much for your time. No and everybody, problem. And everybody that knows me, I want to thank them for helping me along the way. Okay. All right, listen, we appreciate that. God bless. Mind yourself. Okay. And we will, we will stay in contact and we, we are behind the scenes working to see if we can just expedite what's happening with the paperwork with the fair deal because there's a man. By the way, Derek is not his real name. We've just made up that name just for the purpose of the interview. Uh, but there's a man who really needs a bit, a bit of a dig out and a little bit of help. And that's, and I think he probably is summing up there. He's not on his own. There's probably a lot of other adult children struggling like that in trying to look after parents and I think he's just in the unfortunate position that both of his parents went got unwell and went rapidly downhill so fast. Uh, your heart to go out to him wouldn't it? 1850 lines open. Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance cmig.ie And I can see a number of people have really been touched by uh, Derek's story and just saying that poor man and what he's had to put up uh, had to put up with and, and yeah and what you do for the love of uh, your uh, parents. Somebody says uh, that gentleman is perfectly right when he says uh, relations don't want to know, particularly if something is going wrong. I've often stayed with the elderly while a caregiver nipped out to the shop or to do whatever work needed to be done. Never done it for monetary gain. People will help out if they know that he needs help. There are many, many good people out there. Tell him don't be too proud to ask. The worst that will happen is somebody might decline. And please, a note to neighbours and friends. It's our duty to help out. Do we know what's going on at all sometimes in our neighbourhood? And actually one of our listeners, Colette, has um, very kindly said, qualified care assistant, used to work in Fomoy Hospital. Should I gladly help out that man uh, any day? I'm often in Mitchellstown and no charge <laughs> you're as sweet and what a very very kind uh, offer and others are really taken aback to hear that the home help he was getting a half an hour a day for his mum and uh, dad and then when mum went into hospital he got reduced to 15 minutes doesn't that just seem bizarre who would even sit down and make that decision to say well that half an hour no no knock that back 15 minutes is enough there's only one person in the house what can a home help do by the time you get in and even have a chat and say how are you how are you feeling today is everything okay what could you physically do in 15 minutes it really does seem uh, crazy so a lot of support out there and as I say uh, we're working behind the scenes on this one and hopefully uh, what he really needs what Derek really needs because he's really found it difficult to make that decision that his parents both need to 
to go in to a nursing home and he really it was one of the things that he'd really said to us at the start that he's found that decision so difficult and when he finally made the decision and has found the ideal place for both of his uh, parents and now to think he's facing all of these stumbling blocks and all down to uh, paperwork bureaucracy gone mad as somebody else said by text Okay, I need to take another break Uh, we've got news at uh, 11 on the way and a lot to catch up with in the next hour including the new EU directive on the ban on single use plastics we'll be finding out the West Cork uh, Literary uh, Festival and also finding out what a day out is like at the Donkey Sanctuary Cork Today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group want great advice? you know who to talk to cmig.ie you're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Poets, screenwriters, novelists, and podcasters are some of an all star lineup at this year's West Cork Literary Festival, which will take place online and also at outdoor events in Bantry. Joining me to sample what's on offer throughout this, the month of July, is Julie Shellswell White, who is the manager of Bantry House. Good morning to Julie. Hi, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well, and you're welcome to the programme. Now, firstly, on, on I suppose on a positive note, um, holding events online, it allows you to open up the festival, doesn't it, to to a worldwide audience? Absolutely. I mean, the Literary Festival is such a wonderful festival every year. Um, we, re- we really look forward to it every year here at Bantry House. And, um, you know, the last time we could host actual live events was two years ago. So we're really excited this year to be able to do it online again, but also have the outdoor events in the marquee in our stable yard here. Now, just explain to us how the outdoor events are, are going to work. Yeah, so the marquee is being set up as I speak. They were here very early this morning. So, um, you know, because the weather, I don't think it's great for the weekend. So that's covered marquee with um, open sides all around. And there'll be pods of uh, two or six, depending on the event. And um, everyone will be very comfortable, very dry, very safe. And how many events do you hope to host? So we have um, three events, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And Monday is the one with Graham Norton, isn't it? Yes. And it's his first, because I saw him tweet about this. He's, he's really excited about it because it's his first public appearance since the start of the pandemic uh, in West Cork. And he's very excited. What, what's, what's he expected to, to do on Monday? So his, his, um, his thought is 3pm. So his talk starts at 3. And, um, you know, I don't know an awful lot about what, what it will be like. I think. But it'll be him chatting. Him and, chatting, yeah. um, I presume answering questions perhaps at the end. I'm not 100% sure, but um, I think everyone's very excited. I know that's a sold out event, but there are definitely tickets for a few of the other smaller events as well. So um, Graham Norton, unfortunately, is sold out, right. which was expected. <laughs> <laughs> no surprise. And you've slightly larger pods, you said, for the, yeah. for, for, for the Graham one. Exactly. Is this your first time trialling um, pods at, at Bantry House? Um, you know, well, we host weddings here as well, Patricia. So we've had to do little pods for certain ceremonies and um, for little events that we've done in terms of hospitality, catering and things. So, you know, it, everyone's so used to it at this stage. And I mean, the Literary Festival is such a well-organised festival every year with Westcourt Music. And Emer, the director, she does a wonderful job. So, you know, this year is unlike last year. So last year it was also new, whereas this year the idea of a pod is such an obvious thing. You know, yeah, everyone, yeah. everyone um, assumes that's going to be the case. So, yeah, no, we're really looking forward to it. And there's, and there's a great variety of events, mm. both the ones that you're hosting and online. I think there's, is there, is there over 35 events? I think something like that, yeah. yeah. And people can find out more about the different events and book for the various events by going online too. Yeah, and if you want to book um, tickets for any of the events, it's by phone. So the number is 027 527 
there for the live events. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And everything else you can go through the website, the West Cork uh, Literary uh, yeah. f- uh, Festival. So tell us, how, is, how are you getting on at, at Bantry House? You, you've reopened? Yeah, we've reopened. Our B&B is doing really well. We're open for visits. Um, the garden is open. Our tea room, we, we have a wedding in a couple of weeks and another one in August. So it's all go, to be honest. It's it's very busy. Yeah, actually, we're going to be talking about weddings later on in the programme today. We're, yeah. we're up to 50 now, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. then, do you think it'll go to 100 in August? Um, personally, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, we kind of specialise here at Bantry House in intimate weddings. Yeah. So, you know, our numbers were never above 100 anyway, and a lot of our weddings would have been around 50 mark in general. So for us, it's it's not too different, I suppose, but I know it's very difficult for a lot of other venues. I have heard from more people that got married in the last year who went for the small intimate affairs. And, you know, I haven't come across one who has regretted doing it. I think going forward, we're going to see a lot more of these smaller intimate affairs. Yeah, yeah. And it kind of made people stop and think, how do I actually want to get married? You know, don't just go for the big day because everyone else does. So, you know, there's positives to it. Well, if you talk to somebody who, say, had 300 at the wedding and they'll say, I barely saw anyone on the day because you're mm-hmm. running around from person. Whereas when you have a smaller group, mm-hmm. you get to spend time with everyone, don't you? You do. It's very special. So, yeah. you know, we, we, um, we specialise in, in internet weddings here. So, um, OK, well done. Well done. Thank OK, you. but looking forward to a busy weekend this weekend. Yeah, then. yeah, exactly. And our tea room will be open all weekend and um, people will have a lovely day out, I think. People okay. are looking forward to it. Well, well, enjoy it. And uh, well done to all involved and the best of luck to everybody involved with the West Cork uh, Literary Festival thank for 2021. So Julie, thank you for that. Thank you so much, Patricia. Uh, bye bye. Good morning bye-bye. to you, uh, Julie Shellswell White, who is the manager of uh, Bantry House, where the outdoor events in the pods are going to be uh, held across this weekend. Now, some of your commentary coming in. Oh, by the way, uh, people are sending me in numbers uh, of. That they're, that they're receiving on their mobile phones. Like somebody says, Trish, I've just got five different calls, all starting 087784. I don't recognise them. I didn't answer them. Would you know if any of these are scam calls, please? And someone else uh, in on WhatsApp, I had a couple of calls earlier uh, from people saying, Patricia, could you tell me, is this number a scam caller or not? Now, straight away, I can see one that is a scam call because all of the Irish mobile numbers will have seven digits, like 087. 085 or 086 whatever it is there will be seven digits after it some of the scam callers only have six so you can spot that one uh, straight away but even some of the other ones it'll look like an Irish number it could actually be somebody's genuine Irish number that they've spoofed and taken to make it look like that they're calling from there but you know listen stick with what we're telling everybody to do and it seems to be working if you don't know the number don't answer and remember if it's someone that genuinely is is trying to get through to you then they will leave a message and you'll be able to pick up the mes- the message and then you'll be able to call that person back. Because somebody else is saying I received a number from uh, an 087 number uh, and when I answered it all I caught at the end was it sounded like an automated message and all I caught at the end was goodbye. If it's an automated message you're guaranteed it's that famous one who sounds computer generated almost probably telling you that the Gardaí are investigating, investigating scam calls keep well clear of them. Uh, hi Patricia this is from Chris this is on the digital certificate 
that we're expecting that we're expecting from the government they're going to start giving out the EU digital COVID search they're already in operation since the 1st of July across Europe we're the only country in Europe hasn't brought them in yet we're expected to start operating them from the 19th of July and from the 12th of July next Monday the government are going to start issuing them people will either get them by email or by post what it seems to be still at this stage is if you went to a vaccination centre then you will receive your digital search by email so keep a look in your e- for your in your email box and hopefully they won't end up in junk mail you'll be able to spot them and then for people who got them through say their GP practice um, they will be or through a hospital you'll be getting it by post so keep a look out for the postman will everybody have their EU digital COVID search by the 19th of July your guess is, is as good as mine. But Chris is making the point. On There are three ways that you can get the digital COVID uh, certificate. Uh, you can get it for people who are fully vaccinated and you can get it for if you've got proof that you're fully recovered from COVID. But of course, the other way you can get it is with a negative PCR test. Chris is saying, how long can you use your digital COVID certificate for indoor dining, drinks dining and uh, drinks if you got it after your negative test. Now I've while news was on at 11 because I'd seen the text come in from Chris I did a quick search to try and find the answer to it and would you believe I can't find the answer to it but you are right the three ways that you get uh, the search is either based fully vaccinated people, people who've recovered are if you can produce a negative PCR test and the negative PCR test must be taken 72 hours before travel but I can't find out how long that particular cert then would last. I did see on the news the other night they were in Brussels and they were showing how the EU digital COVID certificate was working and they spoke with one family and mother and father and an older child all seemed to have been vaccinated but there was one teenager who had only received one dose of his vaccine and was waiting on getting the second one so therefore wasn't fully vaccinated and wasn't entitled to his certificate based on his vaccination record so he had to get a PCR test done and he was showing his QR code on his phone and I am sure he said that it disappears after 48 hours so is it 48 hours after you travel or is it the seven? You've got to do it 72 hours before you travel and then from when it's issued is it 48 hours but I'm trying to check and I know John Paul is scrolling through websites as well trying to check and if we don't get the answer we'll we'll bang a, a question out to one of the various departments to see if we can get an answer because as far as I know it lasts for a period of time it obviously will be different in that a digital COVID cert for somebody who's vaccinated or somebody who's recovered from from COVID is different to somebody who gets a search based on a negative PCR test. So hang in there, Chris, and we will let you know if we get the answer to it. And some texts in asking me to give shout outs. Uh, only too glad to do this. Patricia, can you mention that the driving concert taking place in Theo Park this Sunday at half past two will see music by Muriel O'Connor and Fran. Also Dermot Lines Band. Gates will open at 1pm and admission €10. A great afternoon is assured. Thanking you. That's from Theo Park in Labamalaga. And hi Patricia, would you give a mention to a drive-in bingo which is taking place in the community field in Doris, Sunday next, three o'clock in the afternoon. All are welcome. And that's a text in from Helen Burke, the PRO of the Community Council in Doris. Good luck to everybody there with that. And can you wish Jamie O'Leary a very happy 15th birthday. Happy birthday to you, Jamie. He is in Bantry. Aunts, uncles, grandparents and relatives wanting to wish Jamie 
a very happy birthday. C103 Jobs. Childminder wanted for a child attending Ballyhay National School and also a two and a half year old, five days per week, and it'll be in the Childminder's own home. Community employment places are available for caretakers, groundkeepers, environmental workers in the Blarney, Inniscarra, Kilcully and Grenagh areas, 19 and a half hours per week. Arctic truck driver required, that's for a tillage farm in Kinsale. And a secretary is required to cover maternity leave. And that's in a busy office in Bantry. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Now a range of everyday items made from plastic, such as cutlery, plates and straws, have been banned from Irish shelves. It's all part of the EU's 2019 Single-Use Plastics Directive, which came into force uh, earlier this week. To find out more, I'm joined by MEP for the South, uh, Deirdre Clune. Good morning to you, Deirdre. Hi, good morning, Patricia. Deirdre, do you believe consumers very, very much welcome this move, that there's nobody really against it? I do, actually. I do think there's there's been a very strong consumer drive to reduce the amount of plastic we're using. Well, it's convenient, absolutely plastic, and single straws, cut plastic cutlery, single-use plastic or cups, plates, but things that you can throw, that you do throw away, they're only used once, but it's um, it's such a waste and such has such an impact on the environment. So for a long time, there's been a strong consumer to drive to try and reduce the amount of plastic waste we use. And the directive, as you say, is in place since 2019, and um, member states had a certain time to implement it, and that happened this week in Ireland. So these products are now banned from being, from a shelves or from use when you're buying a cup of coffee uh, or buying or you know the plastic the drinks the juice cartons with the plastic straw all that finished yeah and you can already see it I mean I've certainly mm-hmm. noticed probably in the last six months uh, to a year everywhere you go it's the paper straws and even if you're buying straws in a supermarket it's all paper straws or if you can buy I've got I've, I bought them in a number of last year the year before the stainless steel ones are fantastic because you can pop them into the dishwasher and completely reuse them they're, they're, yeah. they're really, they really are uh, terrific and Deirdre we'll be collecting and finding the ones that have already been in use won't we for many many years to come oh we will because they're still in the environment and they end up if they're thrown away which we get lots on beaches and in waterways uh, they end up in the seas can have a really detrimental effect on the marine life and fish life you know they can accumulate in the gills of fish and um, just and as well as choking up our oceans and our seas so it's a real prob- problem uh, plastic waste and according to the EU statistics, 70% of marine litter is from single-use plastics. And that's what they are, items that you use once, throw away, uh, have, a, have a, just a singular use. So they're not 70%? Yeah, that's the figure, 70%, which is a lot. That's incredible. I know I was chatting with the, the Ballinamona Beach Cleanup uh, volunteers who are just, they're the most amazing bunch of people. I think it was only last weekend I saw them on their Facebook page. You know, they were out again doing their, their yeah. usual cleanup. Mm-hmm. And they, they literally gathered up the straws. This was just on their one cleanup morning that they had found, just from this one, I don't know how many, how many had gone out. But they literally had hundreds of them 
in one in yeah. one clean in one clean up. They yeah, I know. and people think they're. I mean, people think they're innocuous, but they're not. They, I mean, they take hundreds of years to disintegrate or to break down. Uh, and that's the problem. Whereas if you have a biodegradable product, it goes instantly. Or paper, the strong paper ones, uh, they're much much better in terms of breaking down, and they don't have the same negative effect on the environment. And you know, the reason we've seen change and move towards these, um, or move towards not using single-use plastics, is because the directive was in place for three years, and the signal went out. You know, a point is going to come where these products are going to be banned. So from an industry point of view, you know, get on with it and start finding alternatives. And yeah, absolutely. Happens. Absolutely. What about disposable coffee cups? They've become a real problem during the pandemic with littering. With littering they have, yeah. And uh, you can see, I mean, I'd say that another statistic we're going to see soon is the amount of uh, even waste packaging that has accumulated with the pandemic. But they have been and they've moved to remove, some of them have a plastic, a plastic film, you're right, and to change that and to make it paper and um, easier to dispose of and less of a threat to the environment because of that plastic film being removed. I mean, they've been talking about a latte levy, haven't they, for quite some time? They have been talking about a latte levy, but that's, that's up to any member state if they want to do that. I mean, what's going to come next in, in, in three years' time, 2025, is the plastic bottles. That we, the big containers are going to have to have a percentage of recycled plastic in them. And then we're going to have uh, plastic return, return uh, deposit return, and also uh, a, an extended a producer responsibility for producers of plastic and waste that's in our environment that have that causing a load in terms of cleanup and in terms of a negative effect on the environment. There's going to have to be a, a fee paid from producers to, to help with the cleanup. I think so, you've, you've answered Jennifer and Douglas's question. Well, yeah. She says, any plans uh, to deal with single-use plastic bottles and aluminium cans? Uh, surely yeah. a simple deposit and return, return scheme. scheme. Like we uh, did funny, with the glass yeah. bottles many years ago. As we did, yeah, but that's right, with glass bottles. The, the Taylor Keith bottles long ago. Yeah. But um, funny enough, like aluminium is the one thing that's easy to recycle because it's all made of one product. The 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 ring and the lid, it's just one product. It's easy to Recycle. It's the collecting of it is the issue, but it is easy to recycle. Plastic, not so much because cap can be made of different mm. materials, the label and the, the bottle itself. So we need to get you know work with industry, send out the signal. These things, it's no longer it's no longer acceptable. Start moving and developing alternatives. And plastic waste, Deirdre, is a huge problem right across the EU. I mean, this isn't just an Irish issue. Oh no. No, no, it's an absolute, it's a European issue. And it's a, it's, it comes from consumer products. I mean, it's plastic waste. When we see it in packaging, it's, I mean, it, it's, it's a valuable product in many ways. Well, it comes from petroleum, made from petroleum originally, which is a, a limited resource. But it's also, uh, and it plays a, a really good role in, you know, in hygiene and easy to transport, keeps the food safe. You're buying at supermarket shelves. So plastic packaging has a, a very valuable role. But... Um, it's the disposal of it. Um, it needs to be well, it needs to be addressed. The throwaway items, also encouraging more recycling, um, and that means developing products originally that can be recycled. So there is a huge push at European level to deal with this issue, and um, there's like a, as well as you know saying it's going to be banned and you're going to have to contribute to its um, to, to its cleanup. There's also support in terms of research and helping 
companies to move along to, to, be, to develop alternatives so that um, they can we can reduce their impact on the environment. So, you know, it, there's, there's a lot of positive coming. But, yeah. um, but more to do. More so, to do, yeah, so more to do, more and more, to do. More, more, more to do. But, you know, you can see the benefits of it now that plastic straws, as you say, are no longer a thing of the past. Yeah, yeah, and thank God, thank God. Mm-hmm. The the COVID digital travel search, we have a number of questions coming in uh, about that uh, okay. today. Uh, I don't know, are you in Europe? Are you are you in Brussels at the moment? Or are you at no, home? I'm not. You're I'm at home. Have yes. you used, uh, do, do you know how, it, it's, it seems to be working because it came in on the 1st of July in all of the other European countries, mm-hmm. we're the only ones with the delay on it. It seems to be working quite well for people going through airports. It does. It seems to be working quite well. It's um, it's easily it's easy. You get a link, I believe, from an, in an email, and you can download an app. Um, it's working quite well. The airports are ready for it, uh, and it's important from a congestion point of view too that it does work well. That you don't have people queuing and showing bits of paper here and bits of paper there. You know, my COVID cert, my or my sorry, my vaccine cert or my test cert. So it's important we, that it would work well, and that you would get people moving quickly through the airport. Because I've been travelling a little bit, and it has been difficult without a. Without, you know, you need to show your PCR test, and people have it in their phone. They're searching the emails. It's every. It's easy. It's everywhere. So this will make it much more streamlined and easier to, to travel. Yeah, so because hopefully we have it from yeah, the nineteenth. Yeah, yeah, because I know Dublin Airport months ago were mm. fearful of. The yeah. long, the long delays at the airport, and how long? And I mean, mm-hmm. and the one thing we need to do—I mean, we still all need to be so careful. So, if you're going into a place like an airport that's going to be busy, we need to keep people moving. You need to keep people moving, yeah. And I mean, social distancing is is in the airport. Yeah. Wearing of your mask, um, sanitizing stations everywhere, uh, and that you know, if you were to respect all those requirements, it means it means things will be much much slower. Okay, okay, and uh, very fine. You're keeping an eye on the resu- on the early tallies coming in from the Dublin Bay South by election. I am. There's only fifty percent in at the moment. Early days. And we have th- th- the the three uh, Ivana Babchik for Labour, uh, James Gagan for Fine Gael, and Lynn Boylan for Sinn Fein. Pretty much neck and neck, all around the twenty five percent mark each. But that's only with fifty percent of the boxes. That's only fifty percent, and it depends right. on the location. It, it absolutely does. It, listen, and as we I, all know, I've been at enough count centres to know that you have to be so careful. You to be so your home territory to come in. Yeah, always. All right, listen, take care, uh, Deirdre. Thank you for that, and uh, Thank thanks for joining us. Good, uh, good, good, good to talk to you as well. That is MEP for the South. Uh, Dear De Clune, 1850-333-103. John Paul's taking your calls. You can text our WhatsApp to 0862-103-103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Our Friday summer feature continues today where we give you suggestions on places to visit here in Corky. The part of your staycation are just a little family day out this morning. We're hearing all about the incredible donkey sanctuary in Liscarroll and joining me from there, Ashleen O'Sullivan. Good morning to you, Ashleen. Good morning, Patricia. Are, Thanks for having me on. Well, listen, it's always a pleasure to, to chat with the guys at the donkey sanctuary. Have Firstly, have you reopened to the public? Yes, Patricia. Delighted to say that we uh, reopened last Thursday, the 1st of July, to the public. So for the moment, we're open just two days a week. Thursdays and Fridays during July and August. But we're delighted to have people back on site and they're delighted to come and visit us too. Great. How tough was the lockdown on everyone? 
Um, very difficult, Patricia. You kindly had us on previously talking about it, and um, it, it's been tough times, obviously. We have 50,000 visitors generally a year to the Donkey Sanctuary, so um, since our gates haven't opened since March last year, like that's a lot of visitors that we missed, and those visitors very kindly, even though we don't charge uh, to visit the farm, they very kindly adopt donkeys when they come on site and they leave donations, and they come and visit the donkeys even, and it's, it's just such a lovely thing, and we've missed all of that so much, so it's been very hard for us um, in terms of not having the open farm open to the public and obviously for the public as well who really missed coming to visit their donkey friends. Do you think the donkeys missed the visitors? Absolutely. Absolutely, (laughs) Patricia. They did. They did. In the beginning, they didn't know what was going on because, uh, you know, the numbers had reduced so much. But we could really see it. Last week, I was talking to um, Callum Watson, who's our farm supervisor there in the open farm. And he said to me that literally the younger donkeys from, from the big group would not move away from the fence last week. They were really, really enjoying the attention from visitors. Um, enjoying the scratches and the rubs and just seeing seeing people, you know, children yeah. run about and, and people up and down the walkway because, as you know, donkeys, they're very, very curious animals and, and they love to see people about. So we can tell that they really, really enjoyed the visitors on site last week. Brilliant, brilliant. Now, for people who have never visited the sanctuary before, out, outline to people what they could expect. Sure, absolutely. Well, well, first I will mention that there's there's a few changes in that obviously we've been through, you know, we're going through still a pandemic and um, for everybody's safety and comfort now at the moment, we're reducing visitor numbers on site. So our um, visitors can come through a ticket booking system for Thursdays and Fridays, which has been operated through our website, thedonkeysanctuary.ie. So we're, we're having reduced numbers in two different sessions during the day. The first session is at 9.30 in the morning until 12.30. And then the second session in the afternoon is from 1.30 to 4.30. And visitors are arriving on site and showing showing their, their tickets. And then once you're shown to your parking space, it, it's really up to you as to what you'd like to do. There's a really nice walkway to go around. Um, it's grass-based, so this time of the year, if the sun is shining, it's lovely um, and really pleasant to take a stroll around. We also have a very nice picnic area that's nice and secure for families and children. And um, we have our visitor information centre where people can buy donkey-related products and snacks ice creams, bits and pieces like that. Obviously, the stars of the show are there. We've over 130 donkeys on site, and they're there for people to to see and to interact with and to meet. And obviously, our staff are there as well, if anyone has any questions, because obviously... Since we since we work with donkeys, we absolutely love to answer questions about donkeys too. Okay, but no feeding of the donkeys? Absolutely no, no, no. And the reason for that, because people would wonder, you know, because they can see them grazing grass and they wonder, why can't I pick up some grass and, and feed it to them? The donkeys' diets are very carefully monitored and while you would see them grazing some grass, it's only a small portion of, of, of what they actually eat. Uh, their main diet would be barley straw, which is nice and high in fibre. So we really need to keep a close eye on what the donkeys are eating and we need to know that. Um, sometimes people are really kind and bring some treats of maybe some carrots and and apples and they leave those at the visitor centre because then the grooms divide up those and they very carefully chop them up in the way that a donkey should actually 
eat them without risk of choke. And they're a lovely treat for the donkeys, and we and we love to get them. But we have to monitor what the donkeys can eat, just as part of of maintaining good health in them. Because yeah, it's all about the care of the donkeys. As you say, you've 130 on site in, in Liscarroll. But how many in total is in your care, Ashley? We have over 1,800 in, in our care. Now, those donkeys are divided up in that there's over 650 of those who live in guardian homes around the country. And the rest of the donkeys then are divided up between the various farms and places down in the greater Lisgarrel area. So Hannigan's farm would be our biggest one. And that's on the other side of Liscarroll. It's a closed farm, but our donkey hospital and veterinary team are housed there. And over 400 of the herd live there. But over 130 of the donkeys and mules can be seen by the public on our open farm um, down in in the heart of Liscarroll. Do some of the donkeys arrive in very poor condition? They have, Patricia. They have in the past, certainly. We've we've seen donkeys with um, extremely long hooves. Um, that haven't been tended to, so so they've they've curled up, um, or we can see donkeys present with rain scalds because their coats aren't waterproof, and maybe they've been outside in in the elements um, for too long. We can see donkeys as well who haven't maybe had the correct level of nutrition that they should have, or maybe their teeth are in bad condition. So there's a variety. Of, of different stories of neglect that we have seen over the years. The the hoofs in particular, because I've seen some of the photographs and some of the literature you send out and you can see it online where the hoofs curl up and it, it looks awful. Is that extremely painful? Yes, it can cause extreme pain um, for the donkeys because obviously, you know, if they're they're kept trimmed by a professional farrier, we would advise every, every six to ten weeks that donkeys' hooves are trimmed, um, you know, it maintains good hoof health. But when it grows out, it, it can cause a lot of pain and a lot of difficulty in walking as well for donkeys. If Sometimes you can see hooves that have really curled up and you'll see the donkey has to take a really high step yeah. to move forward. Um, and it, it causes pain, discomfort and awkwardness at moving. There is, you know, we've spoken about it before, Patricia, there is the perception that donkeys come from Ireland, they come from the Middle East and, and, and Africa originally, so there, there is a perception that they belong in Ireland you know, due to old postcards and stuff that we've seen over the years and obviously a long time ago before the mechanisation of the farm, donkeys would have been involved in Ireland in bringing the milk to the creamery, bringing the turf to the bog and all of that, so we have this idea that they're Irish in origin but they're not, so their hooves in particular are not suited to this wet climate so we, we always say to people that, you know, in correct care and looking after donkeys, they need an area of hard standing for their hooves um, that they can, you know, keep them in better order than they would in wet pasture the whole time. And you were talking as well about their coat needs to be waterproofed. Their coat isn't actually waterproof by nature. Um, so if donkeys are out in the elements, they can get rain scalds, which really, really is very sores on, on their back and it can be very, very painful for them. And, and you see it on ears as well. So donkeys need year-round constant access to shelter. And they're really smart. 
we always know down in the open farm when the rain is coming, even if it, the weather looks good, we know the rain is coming because the donkeys are moving towards the shelters. <laughs> and, and they could be doing that a half an hour or so before the rain comes. Get the and washing in, the donkeys are get on the move. Get the washing in, that's it. We should have lines of sheets below because we'd know when to bring them in. <laughs> and then when they come to you and they recover, they go on then to lead very healthy, normal lives. Yeah, in, in the best way that they can. Sometimes donkeys do have issues that will, will stay with them throughout their life. Maybe they have, have teeth issues um, and maybe they have, they've lost teeth or they have to have teeth pulled. So therefore their diet can change as a result of that. So we would have groups of donkeys that um, would be on different feed to the others. They'd be on short chop feed. So they don't you know have to spend a massive amount of time chewing down straw on that and it's just much easier for them. Or maybe they have suffered laminitis of the hooves um, and, and they live in different conditions to the other ones. So the different groups of donkeys just have different care needs. But if donkeys are young and healthy, there's no reason that they shouldn't live out within the community. So that's where our rehoming scheme really comes to the fore. So, you know, people contact us to see if they'd like to have a pair of donkeys live out you know, within the community with them. And we offer a lot of support to our donkey and guardians. Obviously, they mean the world to us because they're doing the best thing that you can for the sanctuary to look after a pair of our donkeys. Do they have personalities? Oh, they certainly do. They have great personalities. And I'm sure a lot of your your listeners now around the Mallow area in particular would have adoption donkeys and they'd be familiar with ones like Lorcan and Bella and Mary and Roma and Richie. And they all have their, they all have very different personalities. Bella, for example, is absolutely and utterly fun-loving, extremely nosy. So she comes to the fence very quickly and she wants to know what you have. And, and you know, she's looking for her rubs. And then Richie would be quite a boisterous donkey. If he sees a line of donkeys at the fence, he's running over and pushing his way through them to get to the front just to see what's going on. Um, some of them would be shyer and hang back a little. But then they'll, you know, they'll, they'll suss out the situation from, from a bit of a distance and then they'll come over to see what's going on. They all very much have, have their own personalities, just like people. Yeah, yeah. They're a gentle animal, are they? They are a gentle yeah. animal and they're a lovely animal. They really, really are. And, you know, I, I was on site for um, a bit of time last week after after we opened and it was just lovely to see some of them really enjoying scratches behind the ears and that from from kind supporters and just really loving it and lovely to see that interaction. OK, so you're back open two days a week. Any indication when you'd be open full time? Um, don't know yet, Patricia, yeah. but we could be increasing to some more days. Like, we're very conscious of everyone's comfort and safety at the moment, including, obviously, the safety of our staff because they have to, you know, look after our, our herds of animals. So we'll be monitoring the situation as it goes on. And any changes at all, we will put them up on our social media channels and we will have them on our website as well. So if people just keep an eye on things as we're going, any changes at all, we will update there. Mary says, could you please ask Ashling, can the children still bring polo mints and ginger nut biscuits to put in the basket for the staff to give to the donkeys later? They absolutely can because um, ginger nut biscuits are absolutely fantastic um, for helping us to get medication into donkeys. Our, our veterinary team make little sandwiches and they get a ginger nut biscuit and make a paste with, it, with water and put it in between bread and the meds in between and that's how they give the meds. So ginger nut biscuit donations and polo mints are very, are very welcome. <laughs> Come here, hang on, hang on. What, what, why ginger nut biscuits? 
they just love them. They <laughs> love the smell of it. They love the smell of ginger. They really respond to the smells of herbs and spices. And ginger is just one that, that really, really they love. But we, we generally keep it for the medication okay. sandwiches because obviously there's a lot of sugar in it. So we need to monitor and that. And the, po- the polo mints? Polo mints they love as well. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> as a rare treat. And now if we had a birthday... Um, and we make a little feed cake up maybe for a birthday and we pop a couple of polo mints as a real treat on the top for the donkey. <laughs> You're fantastic. It really is great. So, so but booking now, uh, because before it was always you could just rock up and yes. everyone was there more than welcome, but obviously COVID times. So uh, donkeysanctuary.ie. Yeah, and just to say as well, obviously visitors, we are doing a ticketing system, but tickets are free of charge. There's no charge on those tickets. But as a charity, we really, really welcome and depend on the donations of of the public. Which you've missed out on now for the last um, year and a half. Yes, very much. And a final question, could you please ask Ashleen, do you think that they'll have a Christmas market this year at the Sanctuary? Oh, can't say at the moment, Patricia. Unfortunately, um, because we have no events in the pipeline, we're just going to really have to monitor the situation and see. But any news about those kinds of items or events at all, again, we will have them on on the website and the social channels as as the year moves on. Okay. Listen, best of luck to everybody. You do amazing uh, work and we're all looking forward to getting out and seeing all the donkeys again in Lascarra. But thanks. Pleasure as always to chat to you, Ashley. Thank you for that. And you too, Patricia. Thank you very much. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Ashleen uh, O'Sullivan there from the Donkey Sanctuary in Liscarroll. Just Thursdays and Fridays at the moment, but booking uh, essential. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Uh, a listener says this is on the digital COVID certificate. What happens if you don't have an email? How do you get your digital COVID uh, certificate? Well, they're going to be sent out two ways from next Monday. One option is that they'll be sent out by email and the second option is they'll be sent out by post. And it's generally speaking, anybody who got their vaccine at their, maybe their GP practice or through a hospital, uh, they don't have email details for those people. And even if they do, it looks like they're posting them out instead. But anyone who went through a vaccination centre generally speaking there was they have all the email uh, details there so it'll be sent out by emails but don't worry if you don't have an email you st- and you have you are ha- you are fully vaccinated you will still get your EU digital covid search you'll just get it in paper form and you'll get the QR code will be on it either in paper form or in, in an email and what we're all going to be advised to do then is if you've got a smartphone get it onto your smartphone as quick as you can so that you'll have that with you whenever you need to travel or as now has been speculated we're going to also need it in order to go for indoor dining in this country. And then can I tell you we've a number of questions in and we are scratching our heads trying to find answers uh, for people and it's to do with travel uh, travel either I think travel within the EU we know is going to be covered under the EU digital certificate but then we've got people who want to travel to and from the United States, people who want to travel to and from the UK or have visitors coming from the States or have visitors coming from uh, England and we're putting as many questions as we can to relevant departments and departments themselves seem to be scratching their heads. There just still seems to be confusion and uncertainty around travel restrictions particularly when they ease from the 19th of uh, July for example. One listener says Patricia we've got relations coming 
from America in September slash October. One will be fully vaccinated and one will not be vaccinated. Do you know what is the procedure and what do they have to do? And then there was another listener staying on the States. Marion from Oi says, we have flights booked in August. We're travelling to the States to visit our daughter. I can't find any information anywhere if it's okay for us to travel. I mean, even after ringing the American Embassy, they don't seem to have the information. Has anybody, has anybody else travelling? Has anybody else travelled in a similar situation? We are both fully vaccinated. But I think at the moment, isn't it still the advice is, is not to travel unless absolutely necessary and obviously travelling. While I can well see, Mary, you haven't seen your daughter probably now in nearly two years. You see that as an essential reason for travel. But of course, the department doesn't see it as an essential uh, reason to travel. But that should all change from the... July the 19th, when we will be allowed to get involved in travel uh, holidays or to visit uh, loved ones. But America certainly is different. And then Andrew says, travelling from the UK, I understand that after July 19th, even if you're vaccinated, you will still need a negative PCR test to enter Ireland. I travelled to and from the UK regularly. And PCR tests cost me £99 every time I went to get back to the house here. I am now fully vaccinated here and we still have to pay £99 for the test in the UK to get back to Ireland. Ireland needs to respect the common travel area just as the UK respects it still and throughout the pandemic for Irish visiting the UK we are the nearest neighbours yet we've been treated like foreign aliens says Andrew. Okay let me just take a look at this. This is the latest on what is happening from July 19th. Okay people from the EU will have the EU digital COVID certificate so they'll be able to travel in and out one to quarantine one to have PCR tests. If you are arriving from outside the EU so that would be in the the two the instance that we've been talking about here is America and the United Kingdom. If you arrive into Ireland from outside the EU and you have valid proof of vaccination, you will not need to do any travel related testing or quarantining. So for that listener in what was the name on that? Andrew. Andrew, from the nineteenth you won't need to do PCR PCR testing once you can prove and have valid proof of a vaccination. If you don't have valid proof of vaccination, for the listener, for example, from the States, one person will have valid proof of vaccination, the other doesn't. They, then the person that doesn't, they need to show evidence of a negative PCR test within 72 hours before arriving. They also will need to self-quarantine. That's a home uh, quarantine. And then they'll have to undergo post-arrival testing. That's provided by the HSE. After five days, they have to get another PCR test done. And if that's negative, then their home quarantine uh, can be lifted. That's for people who will arrive after the 19th from outside the EU if they haven't been vaccinated. But if you can prove, have proof of vaccination, you do not have have to do any travel-related testing or quarantining. Now, there are stricter rules if you arrive from a country where the emergency break has been applied. And we do know for anyone that is travelling at any stage, our government can decide to pull on what is known as the emergency break. And this is going to be happening right across Europe. And this is where suddenly a country, for whatever reason, sees a spike in COVID-19 numbers. The, 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 the most recent example of it was Portugal. An awful lot of people travelled to Portugal because Portugal had very low COVID cases. Suddenly there was an influx of people, particularly people who travelled from the UK, travelled to Portugal and the numbers went through the roof. Suddenly countries were looking at Portugal saying, no, 
Portugal had gone on the red list. We don't want people travelling to or from Portugal. So the emergency break was applied. And I know for people in the UK, there was a big scramble to get back home and it cost people a fortune to get flights back home because if they didn't get back home in time, they would have had to quarantine and all of that. So you do really always need to be aware of that when you are travelling. Now, if you arrive from outside the EU and the emergency break has been applied from the 19th of uh, July, there will be different uh, rules will will apply whether you've been vaccinated uh, or not. You'll still have to have proof of vaccination but you will also need to then show a negative result, a negative PCR test no more than 72 hours before uh, arrival and you'll also have to undergo post-arrival testing that's, and in fairness to this country, the HSE is providing that uh, free of charge. And for the people that don't have valid proof of uh, vaccination, they need to have the negative PCR test. But they will also, this is if the emergency break gets applied, they will also have to complete the mandatory hotel quarantining. Because if the emergency break is applied, then that country will be put on the list of people travelling going into mandatory hotel quarantining. And that can cost you up to nearly €2,000 for uh, your two week stay. So people need to be aware of that before they make any decisions around travelling. But I still have to say a lot of confusion, a lot of head scratching going on, particularly when it comes from the States. Uh, we were, myself and John Paul were frantically trying to get the information for the listener who wants to travel over to see her, do- her daughter. As far as I know, and I'm open to correction, but I think Ireland is still on the list for the States that they're asking people not to travel unless you're an American citizen. So you could come up with a problem there that you might actually be allowed in to the uh, country. They put us on a list when our figures were quite high and I don't think we've come off that list but I'm open to correction on that and if I get clarity on that uh, I, I will bring it to you. But I thought it was interesting when we talk about the uncertainty and the confusion. I mean Marion Fromoy who's booked to go over and see her daughter in the States, the American Embassy even said that they are unsure. It's just all very, very confusing and we've been on to a couple of different departments today uh, who are not giving us answers to the questions that we've, we're putting to them and they're just sending us to websites and they're websites that we would have already checked. We normally see what information is there before we annoy the various departments with our questions. We don't go to the departments with the question first of all. We see if we can find the answer ourselves first. So it's very frustrating when we do that and then we just get a link back to a website we've already scrolled through and can't find the answer to. Okay, let me move on because yesterday evening, our Dublin reporter Alison O'Reilly got to sit down and spend some time with the Chief Medical Officer Tony Houlihan and she asked him about a variety of different uh, issues and here is what he had to say yesterday. Uh, He started by talking about he hopes that more activities outdoors will open and he also talks about indoor activity and getting people vaccinated. I hope so and in, in as much as we can make, make it safe and re- believe it to be safe we should continue to be able to sort of grow the range of things that people can do. Uh, if you look back over the period of time since about mid-April as we began to ease the restrictions from the full lockdown we've come a long, long way uh, and I mean it's unfortunate that, that we find ourselves now with this Delta variant because we know that if, if that hadn't happened we'd have been able to keep on that path we would have had a normal in relative terms summer the reality of the disease has thrown up another challenge for us. I think it's going to be a particular challenge now for the next six, eight weeks as we get more people vaccinated. And unfortunately, that is coinciding with the summer period. But we have made some of our recommendations to try to focus some of these activities that we know inherently are not as safe. So meeting up indoors, indoor hospitality, crowds, these are the kinds of things that 
represent the greatest risk from the point of view of this virus. And if you're not vaccinated, these things can't really be regarded as safe. So we want to get as many people vaccinated as possible. And once people are vaccinated, if we can then focus those activities on the people who are vaccinated, more and more people can partake in, if you like, a relatively normal summer, going to matches, going to the odd gig, being able to, to uh, have access to, to uh, indoor dining, indoor hospitality, uh, if we can put these arrangements in place and if we can try to all ensure that only the people who are vaccinated uh, partake in those. That's the safest way of doing this and it's increasing the range of activities all of the time and as you know we're vaccinating now well over 250,000 people a week, uh, sometimes substantially more than that and so every week the number of people who are able to benefit from those uh, measures will increase over the course of the summer and now happily that's, in, it, that's including people between the ages of 18 and 40 now that we've started to vaccinate those. Tony Hunan also gave his views on antigen tests and uh, tells us why they aren't as reliable in certain circumstances. So we see a substantial role for antigen testing in, in, but in, in, in specific ways. Antigen testing would be really helpful now as the disease begins to surge as our PCR testing capacity comes under substantial pressure, we can play in antigen testing and we know that in, when you've got a high prevalence, in other words, high incidence of the disease, the test performs well. Where it doesn't perform so well is when you have low incidence of the disease and asymptomatic people, it's not good at finding all of those cases reliably that are negative. So if you use that as your screening tool, if you like, for people going in the door, you will pick up people who are infectious, but you'll miss a lot of cases. Uh, where you will have negative tests, people will go into situations that could become super-spreading events, have the disease, but a negative test. And we think that that's just too great a risk to take. So we think actually it would be possible that if if we're able to be assured that uh, an indoor event, like a restaurant or another indoor hospitality event, is confined to people who are vaccinated, we think that some of the arrangements that around capacity, that we'd be able to return to normal capacity. In other words, you wouldn't have to have the same distance and so on. So restaurants and pubs might be able to operate at a much higher capacity than would be the case if they were operating something like antigen testing at the door, because antigen testing isn't reliable enough. And I'm quite sure the publicans and restaurants of the country don't want to be running antigen testing at their front doors either. So we think if we can do it this way, this is a safe way. It won't have a reliance on this test that's unreliable in those settings. Uh, and would allow them to get back to near-capacity operations. Uh, so what we're trying to do is do it as safely as possible, give the, those parts of the economy that are dependent on indoor activity, like, like bars and restaurants, the opportunity to get back to near-normal activity as soon as possible, and also offer people the benefits of being vaccinated. If you've been vaccinated, you can regard these activities as largely safe. And as I say, more and more young people now getting vaccinated. So still a bit more frustration for people who are not yet vaccinated, but, 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 but another six weeks, eight weeks, I think is going to make a very substantial difference. Then Alison asked him, uh, would it be six to eight weeks before we'd see indoor dining? No, I think, th- I think the, the, the focus now, I think, on measures that are uh, uh, being worked on is to try to ensure that we can put these pass arrangements in place and begin to see the restoration of some of those activities much sooner than that. And while there has been a lot of focus on the Euro matches, uh, Tony Houlihan, our Chief Medical Officer, says we did the right thing by not hosting any of the Euro 2020 matches. Oh, I think we did the right thing. We have to, In this country, in turn, I think we yeah, did the right thing. Yes. Yeah, I did. And I had a conversation uh, uh, last week with Mike Ryan in the WHO. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of concern about the level of transmission that's been driven by some of the activities around... And this is no criticism of anybody, but the engagement that's happened 
the congregation of individuals in in not just in Stadia but around the event. We've seen very significant transmission events now, and in some parts of the UK they can see a difference in transmission between men and women reflecting attendance patterns at matches. So we think uh, there's been a very significant contribution made now in the wrong way through the European Championships to the, the facilitation of spread of this Delta variant. Again, as I say, not a criticism of anybody other than a criticism of the Delta variant itself. Like, it is very transmissible. And an event like the, the, these with large numbers, large crowds of people attending has facilitated spread in many European countries, unfortunately. And finally, Tony Houlihan spoke about the Delta variant and why we have to be so careful of it compared to the Alpha variant, the one that was uh, around at Christmas. Well, for you, we think for you as an individual, if you pick up this, this infection compared to the, the previous one, it, it, it doesn't represent any greater risk for you as an individual. The problem is that many more individuals pick it up because it's much, much easier to transmit. It has about a... F- we'll about a 40 to 60%, we think, transmission advantage. In other words, it's 40 to 60% more transmissible than the alpha variant, the one that went before, which, to cast your mind back, only appeared around the turn of the year, around Christmas time and into early January. And that one was somewhere between, again, about 40 and potentially 90% more transmissible than the one that went before. So we're dealing with something now that's about twice as transmissible as the variant that we... Or that the original Wuhan variant, as we call it, uh, that was knocking around this time last year. So you and I are having a conversation in July. We're dealing with a virus that's twice as transmissible as the virus that was knocking around last July. And my thanks to Alison O'Reilly, our journalist in Dublin, for sitting down with the CMO and indeed to the CMO because he's a busy, busy man, uh, Tony Houlihan. Thank you for that. Just the fact that Tony Houlihan mentioned the Euros, this text came in earlier and we've been so busy this morning, I didn't get a chance, but I really do want to give it uh, a mention uh, because this is to do with the amount of English people that are living in Ireland and living here in Cork and in particular I think in areas like West Cork they would have a lot of English expats who are living and have integrated and are as Irish as their neighbours and are getting on and are having a, you know, a jolly good life but obviously with the English soccer team doing so well in the Euros and they're through to the, final, the finals on Sunday the ugly head of we all hate the English and that brigade has really surfaced I think yet again and people are going back into history and there's been some really really nasty commentary and it has upset English particularly English people as I say that are living here and now call Ireland their home and one of our listeners finds herself in just that situation and she she sent me on a picture she said that just popped up on Facebook that has left her feeling very sad and what it is and you'll probably see a lot of this across uh, social media are cartoon similar to it and it basically is a map of Europe and every single country in Europe has on this map the Italian flag except for over England there's the English flag but even on Ireland, Scotland and Wales they have a little Italian flag the idea being that the whole of Europe will be cheering for Italy on Sunday and everyone is against the English and she writes just saw this on my Facebook feed and my reply is 
isn't it funny that in an age of Black Lives Matter and anti-racism that everyone thinks it's okay to pick on England? A squad of talented, dedicated, committed young men who represent not only England but the many countries from which their heritage derives. It saddens me and it hurts me because they're being judged by the actions of others. We've been through COVID. Life is tough but this latest trend has hurt me most. I've lived in both countries. My heritage Heritage is British and Irish and I'm proud of aspects of both and also I'm ashamed of aspects of both. I've always tried to see things from everyone's perspective but right now all I feel is crushed. Please don't hate. That's that's really, really saddens me and I don't think that that listener is alone. I think there's a number, if people were listening to Liveline yesterday, they would have heard it as well. And I think there's a lot of English people who are actually feeling a little bit uncomfortable about even showing their English uh, roots. And a lot of people are saying that they wouldn't go out publicly wearing the English jersey and that they'll watch the match somewhere quietly themselves. They won't watch it uh, publicly. And, you know, it seems to be something that's reflected all over the country. Uh, But this particular Facebook post is showing that all over Europe, the English are hated and as I say, our listener deeply saddened by it. 1850-333-103, lines open. The C103 Cork Diary. With the new Explore Cork app, a Cork County Council initiative featuring over 850 places to see and things to do. Castletown Bear Development Association, their drive-in bingo is on tonight, 8 o'clock in the East End Pier. The jackpot, €1,600. Please note a later start time. The Andrew O'Reardon Memorial Tractor Run. That's going to be held tomorrow Saturday, leaving from Dairy Gold Yard in Coachford at 12 noon. Registration will open at 11am and all monies raised going to Marymount Hospice. And a drive-in concert featuring Muriel O'Connor and Fran and also the Dermot Lions Band will be held in Theo Park, Laba Malaga, Sunday afternoon at half two. The gates will open at 1pm. And a raffle to raise funds for Marymount Hospice and Hospital in memory of Noreen Kelleher is being held this day week, Friday the 16th of July, which would be Noreen's second anniversary. Tickets are €10 each, or you can get a book of six for €50. They're available online at idonate.ie forward slash raffle forward slash Noreen Kelleher or by phoning 087 263 2027. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. And still more questions coming in from uh, people. Hi, Trish, I just heard the end of your piece there on restrictions. I need to fly to London on the 21st of July for two days and I've no idea what I have to do. The DFA says I don't need a PCR test going, but on the Ryanair site it says I do. Uh, will that change after the 19th? If you're fully vaccinated, then you won't need to have a PCR test after the 19th. And obviously you're flying on the 21st, so you'll be OK. And listen to the reason why. Uh, we couldn't get a J1 visa appointment for my daughter in the US Embassy in Dublin. So we have to fly to London. There's 47 students from UL trying to get visa appointments and need to be in America by the 15th of August. Very stressful. 
goodness me isn't that incredible uh, and Mary says Patricia I don't have one of those new smartphones mine is one of the it's as old as the hills I don't have an email address either I received my Covid vaccination in Mallow but it was my daughter's email address so what will happen now with my cert signed a worried Mary don't be worried at all Mary if you don't receive it in the post you more than likely receive it through your daughter's email and then all she has to do is print it off and you can have a paper version they suggest if you have a smartphone putting the QR code onto the phone but the paper version will do exactly the same. Hi, does applying, does what you mentioned apply for people coming from the boat from England? Do they need to have a PCR test if they're fully vaccinated? No, after the 19th of July, this is according to the Transport Minister people, fully vaccinated people travelling from Britain no longer have to quarantine and no longer have to get a PCR tested. That's after the 19th and it's the very same it's different if you're not vaccinated but if you're fully vaccinated you don't need after the 19th and it will be the same for people arriving on the boat or people arriving by uh, plane thank you to John in Blackpool for your very kind uh, text I appreciate uh, that and then someone else says West Cork listener these digital certs that you speak of how do we know how much information is on them? Starting to all feel a little bit like a sci-fi movie, people becoming a barcode, says a West Cork listener. I can tell you the information that's included on the digital COVID certificate will have your name, your date of birth, the date of the issue, the relevant information about your vaccine, about your test or about your recovery and a unique identifier number. That's the only information it contains and the digital COVID certificate is available in both digital and paper format and the cert has a QR code and the reason for the QR code of course is to avoid fraud. 1850 Now our Cork versus Covid feature today with 50 people now able to attend weddings in this country the increase in numbers allowed to be present has been welcomed by couples, wedding planners and venues. Many are focusing on what they can do to make their big day one to remember. Our reporter Remain Mairead Tuig. Here's from a couple due to get married shortly for this week's Cork versus Covid. It was the strangest thing because we'd said, like, you know, we get married in the year. Within three weeks of getting engaged, we had a church, a hotel, everything booked. Um, so we were like, we'll just have this so stress-free, we'll have everything done and here we are three <laughs> times later trying to organise this. That's the annoying thing about it. So it, it yeah. didn't really go to plan, but the hotel and venue is the same and um, we have I'd say about 80% of our suppliers have changed so we have to change the majority of those from the first time around um, but other than that it's kind of the the exact same. Ian Murphy and Alison Barry are due to get married next month and will celebrate their nuptials at Inchidani Island Lodge and Spa. We were due to get married in October 2020 um, so that was the first date and then we had to move that out uh, we moved it to April 2021 and now we're August of this year so third time lucky. 50 people can now attend weddings and this could jump to 100 in the next few weeks. Ian and Alison say there is still some uncertainty ahead of their big day. It is hard to know like how many will be there you don't know whether you have curfews how whether you can dance at music so some of these big bits but they're all kind of small I think we've cut back on anything that would have caused stress or small details probably yeah, not. We have yeah. like we've completely changed I think our attitude towards it, like it's definitely stressful, but I think we are maybe we have, <laughs> you know, like things that you would just be like small things before, like the original plan 
our first wedding, like we, I had like a magician on the list. I had balloons, I had all this crazy stuff. Now I'm like, we'll be lucky if we have like flowers. But I think it's good in that way because we are, it is stressful, but I think at the same time, like we're looking at it a bit differently. Like we're not getting stressed about the small stuff. Hotels across Cork have been working with couples to ensure that they have a memorable celebration despite the restrictions. Emma Moriarty is wedding and event sales manager at Cork International Hotel. We've, you know, upgraded our packages there where we've put in an extra course or, you know, a charcuterie board at the end of the evening. Just different things like that, just to enhance the evening because it's now finishing at 11.30 as well. So it's kind of just the the flow of the day. So you start off with your ceremony, your um, canapes. It's all about, you know, food and the drinks reception and it's all table service now as well. So even the intermingling isn't happening. Alison Walsh is wedding coordinator at Kinsale Hotel and Spa. People are coming to me saying... What can we add that's extra? You know, what nice little things can we do? Um, the venue we have here, it's lovely, you know, it's very peaceful. We're out from the country, um, weddings are our main business. We love, like, pulling off these events. Again, numbers are irrelevant, you know, as long as we can pull it off, give customers what they want, and like that, we're trying to find new things that we can do within the guidelines that are just that little bit wow. But we're seeing people doing extravagant gin bars at receptions and things like that, you know, spending a little bit extra on decor and things like that. There are ways to make it um, an enhanced day, basically, with less numbers. Sandra Looney of To Have and To Hold says the smaller numbers means couples have more money to spend on other areas. Anybody that we have uh, been lucky to work with, every single one of them hasn't regretted going ahead. They've loved it. Some of the feedback we got was, A, they had more money to spend on stuff that they really wanted, so it may have been you know, they spent more on the food or with us they spent more on flowers and decor. But also it was far more intimate, far more relaxed. The countdown is on to Ian and Alison's big day and they're looking forward to it. We are a bit more excited this time. Yeah, like, yeah. We've had, like, I've had a hen, means hopefully you're going to have a stag in a week or so. You're getting your suit, I have my dress. Like we did our food tasting. So those things get you excited, but I think it's still deep down. It's like... You just don't know what's going to happen. We've been bitten so much with it now and that it's hard. So like we are, but we're not, we're probably not getting as caught up in it as we would have if it was first time around. Ah, that is so sweet. And the best of luck to that young couple. And thank you to our reporter at Maraid Tuig. And my apologies, I gave out the wrong date, I'm told, for the Andrew O'Riordan Memorial Tractor Run. It's been held this Sunday. My apologies if I said Saturday. It's this Sunday, leaving from the Dairy Gold Yard, Coachford 12 noon, with registration beginning an hour earlier at 11am. All money's raised going to Marymount Hospice. And my apologies for that. And just quickly some reaction to the listener who was really, really upset about something she saw on Facebook earlier today and it's a map of Europe and every single country on the map has put up the Italian flag including England, including Ireland, Scotland and Wales and just over England is the only one with the English flag and the thought pattern being that everyone across Europe is going to be cheering for Italy and nobody wants the English to win and this listener who is of English and Irish heritage really, really upset uh, by it. Well, some of your comments in on that. John says, Patricia, the English never did us any favours. The Irish never forget. I hope they beat the Italians on Sunday. That's from John. Someone says, hi Trish, I'm English, living here in Ireland for 30 years and I 
I don't give a flying fig leaf about the football. As for nasty anti-English comments, I rarely come across them and when I do, I just laugh them off. God knows Irish people living in England have had far worse flung at them for generations. It'll all blow over once the weekend is gone. Tell that lady not to be so sensitive. And Mike in Bantry says, Hi Patricia, the best of my friends are English. It's damaging to put those comments up on Facebook and it is upsetting to people. Uh, says Mike in Bantry so she can understand why he can understand why that lady got uh, so upset. 1850-333-103 John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance, cmig.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Just a quick query for a listener. It says, Hi, Patricia. Just a question on the back to school clothing and footwear allowance that you mentioned earlier. My daughter is 19, just finished her leaving cert, hopefully will be going to college in September. Will I be able to apply for the allowance for her or is it only for second level education? They pay the allowance up to the age of 22, 12 to 22 year olds, but the students aged between 18 and 22 must be returning to full time second level education in a recognised school or uh, college so no if she's going on to third level it unfortunately is not covered Mark Malone our movie reviewer is back with us after his stint on the breakfast show this morning good afternoon to you Hi Patricia uh, and you're very welcome okay you have you have I've got a trailer here okay you watched two movies as you mentioned earlier you, the first you're going to speak about is The Tomorrow War which when I see it in print is a crazy name for a movie and the other one is for Fatherhood but here is a trailer from Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Uh, tomorrow, war. We are you. 30 years in the future. We are fighting a war. Our enemy is not human, and we are losing. In 12 months' time, all human beings in the future 
will be wiped from the face of the earth. Oh my God. You and your unit are now in 2051. We need you to fight beside us. We stand a chance at winning this war. You are our last hope. Now, I have to say, I like time traveling movies, I have to say. So we're going forward to 2051. Yeah. But the problem with time travel movies is that you have to be very, very careful of the timeline because if you get it wrong, it doesn't make any sense. And uh, unfortunately, there were a couple of moments in this film where you're sitting there going, OK, that can't possibly be the case. That can't possibly be a reality because that won't happen in the future because of what happened there and so on. And there's a couple of times when that happens, but obviously they didn't really think about it too much when really you do have to. Yeah, but the title, I, I, I was mentioning that to you this morning. I think it's a very, very boring title. And um, Chris Pratt, who's uh, the star of the film here, uh, he was talking about uh, how they found it very, very difficult for a long time to come up with a title. And they were going to call it Rapture Dawn. They were going to call it Alien Dawn. They were going to call it Jurassic Draft. And then they decided, and he, one day he thought, okay, we're calling it The Tomorrow War. But the problem with that, I think, is that you might get it confused with another film that kind of used, you know, time and the switching time and uh, the transfer of time to try and, um, um, you know, wipe out an alien invasion. And that was the Tom Cruise movie, The Edge of Tomorrow. But The Edge of Tomorrow, I think, worked the timeline much better um, because it was very much like kind of Groundhog Day. Um, so this film, actually, this, this is on um, uh, Amazon Prime, but it's uh, actually a film that was made by Paramount. And Paramount uh, gave it a budget of $200 million. But unfortunately, COVID, of course, uh, decided that no, uh, put a kind of... Um, a kibosh on it being released to the cinema. So what they decided to do is they offered it to Amazon Prime, and Amazon Prime paid $200 million oh. for this movie. Yeah, so they basically handed them back uh, the budget for, for the film. Um, it's a big, big movie. It's two hours, 20 minutes long, and it does feel like two hours, 20 minutes long, unfortunately. So basically, as you heard there in the trailer, in 30 years' time, uh, Earth is being ravaged and destroyed by this alien invasion. So um, through managing to be able to go come back in time they come back and they go look we need to take you into the future to help us fight against the alien invasion and um, the problem with that is though because the aliens are just so good at killing and eating and uh, and what they do is that people are getting wiped out and and this is where kind of the film kind of gets it kind of wrong i think whereas the age of tomorrow every time they did switch time they were able to learn something new about how to fight against the aliens whereas here they don't do that and in fact, here they actually send people, ordinary people like you and me, uh, to war into the future to kind of uh, fight these aliens and not tell them what is um, um, what will befall them. And they say one of the reasons is, is that uh, if we let people know what's in store for them, then they won't go. And um, so for me, that didn't really kind of make any sense because, you know, if you don't train people and don't make them aware of what's going to happen, uh, then, of course, they're going to be completely um, out of uh, their depth. And that happens quite a lot in the film. And that's a bit of a shame. As far as Chris Pratt is concerned, well, he's a, a school teacher. He is then um, uh, sent to uh, battle. But he does have a kind of um, a military background. Uh, he was 
in the uh, special services at one stage. So he has those kind of skills, and he then manages, along with others, to be able to kind of adapt those skills to kind of fight against uh, the aliens. Um, if I was to kind of get... My problem with the film is that it's really, really big and bloated, and it, there's nothing new here. It's almost like they basically looked at a, every human versus alien film and, uh, you know, um, inputted it into a computer, and the computer kind of spat out this kind of um, storyline and script, which is pretty much bland and dull and boring and uh, a kind of a script that could be written by anybody and that's a pity because so much of the action actually is pretty good the CGI is actually very very good uh, the, the, the the aliens are, are very good and they're the kind of aliens where you know you can you can fire you know 50 rounds of bullets into them and they keep on going and that's always very exciting you know what I mean if you had an alien that would just go with one bullet, then that wouldn't really be very exciting. But but the fact is that they have to kind of just pump so much kind of power power into them to try and stop them. But then on occasion, somebody will take out a handgun and shoot one, and, sh- and it will go down. And this is kind of contradictions uh, throughout uh, the whole film. And so a lot of it doesn't really make any sense, which is a pity. The CGI is great. The, the, now, the, the, the aliens do look like all other aliens we've seen before in The Age of Tomorrow and in A Quiet Place and movies like that, which is a bit of a pity. I think if you're 15 and you've never seen an action film before, you will think this is just the best thing you've ever seen. For me, uh, it's, uh, it's very similar to what we've seen before. The action sequences are competent, but again, we've seen all the action sequences before. We've seen the um, the aliens before. Uh, Chris Pratt, who I normally really, really like, uh, isn't great. I mean, it's kind of a bland kind of performance, uh, which is a bit of a shame. But then it is difficult for the actors when they're in front of so much green screen. Um, so, yeah, it's big and bold and brass and uh, but bloated. But nothing and, uh, new to see here. And for me, and for me, yeah. I was bored by a lot of it, unfortunately. But there are a couple of action sequences, you know, which make it worth the while to watch. OK, so mark it out of 10. The Tomorrow War. I give it six. Six out of ten, okay, yeah. and that's on Amazon Prime. And then you also watched Fatherhood. Is this the other end of the scale? Well, it's a completely different film, yeah, and it's a beautiful, it's a lovely film with uh, Kevin Hart, actually, and it's um, it's based uh, on a true story. Uh, a man by the name of Matt Logalum. Now, Matt's wife, sadly, died just a few hours after their baby daughter was born. So it's based here on his book. And um, and this uh, stars um, Kevin Hart. Uh, as we know, Kevin Hart is a very kind of brash kind of stand-up comedian. And here we see, thankfully, kind of the more gentle side of him. And he decides uh, to bring up his daughter on his own. And... Um, which, of course, is a very, very difficult thing to do. And, of course, nobody takes him really seriously. His mother says, look, I will be with you, and I will stay with you for six months. He's like, no, I can do this. And the reality, of course, is that um, it's it's not as easy as you might think, and certainly doing it on your own is very, very difficult. For example, he goes to his boss at one stage, and there's a lovely scene where they end up talking about uh, the baby, and he says, look, can I bring the baby to work? And his boss, boss says, yes, you can. And then they have this conversation about, you know, the, the contents of the nappy and what to do with it, and, and Paul Reiser says, you should, put, you should use it on your roses. It's amazing. So the thing is, is that even though the first kind of 15 minutes is really, really heartbreaking, I mean, it's, it's a difficult watch. There's a lot of comedy here. Um, they say that it, it's not a follow-up to uh, Parenthood. Do you remember that film, Parenthood? I do. It's not yeah, that. Yeah. But there are there are times where it is kind of very similar to Three Men and um, and, and a lady. lady because, yeah. yeah, because in the film, him, his buddy, and his, his really dopey brother, and they kind of um, they come together to try and help him on occasions. For example, there's a scene where they they stand around singing to the baby to try and get the baby to. Uh, to, uh, to go to sleep, which is very uh, uh, three men and a baby. But there are some really, really funny moments. There's a, there's a scene where he goes to a, a new parents' class, and 
of course, it's all women and their kids. And as he walks into the door, one of the women says, oh, the AA meeting is down the hall. <laughs> and he's, he's like, that's not why I'm here. And, uh, and then Kevin actually kind of does this kind of spiel about the contents of his baby's nappy, which obviously he made up on the spot because all the women are just laughing. You can see them giggling at what he's saying. And so, you know, throughout the film, there are these lovely, lovely, sweet and gentle moments. There's a lot of comedy as well. So in case you think this is going to be kind of maudlin and kind of sad, yes, it does have very emotional moments, but there's a lot of very good comedy here. And Kevin Hart, who can, let's face it, in the past be kind of annoying, is very good here. But then, like a lot of comedians, you know, if you have the gene that can make people laugh, you also have the gene that can make people cry. And I thought he was absolutely terrific in the film. And it's a beautiful film. Well, and I'd recommend it. Yeah, I have to say, I stumbled across it last weekend. I was looking for something to watch. I said, oh, that looks oh, did you watch it? I did, yeah, I did. And oh. I just adored it. Uh, it made me cry and it made me laugh a lot as well. It's beautiful. It's just a beautiful, beautiful movie. Uh, Fatherhood. Mark it out of 10. I'll give it nine. Ah, so would I. It's terrific. It's really great. Okay, listen, thank you for that, Mark. We'll chat again next week. And thanks uh, for joining us. That is uh, Mark Malone, our uh, movie reviewer. Just a final text in before we go. Mary in Mallow. This is on people slating England and the English team in advance of the Eurofinals next Sunday. Mary says, uh, I can't understand it. People are slating the English team. They are the ones who will support Manchester United, Manchester City, Liverpool, Chelsea, all of the other UK teams. Every time they play for their club, it's the same players, yet they can't support the same guys when they play for their country. I think it's hilarious, says Mary from Mallow. OK, that's where I leave you. My thanks to Jean-Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and I will talk to you Monday morning at 10 o'clock until the 9 Patricia Messenger. Very good afternoon. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.,